When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi and welcome everybody to the This Is Ibrooks end of season review. It's a very special one. We're here at the podcast studios in Glasgow. Um, I'm joined by Tommy McIntyre. How are you today, Tommy? I'm good. Thank you. Looking forward to, I don't know if I'm actually looking forward to pulling back <laughs> over the season, but we might as well do it. And fellow co-host Craig Dennett, how are you today, Craig? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I think I have to agree with Tommy there. I'm not sure how much fun this will be, but I'm sure we'll get into into some of the, the fonder memories of the season if we can. That's it. And Ross Chalmers, how are you today, Ross, as well? Yeah, I'm good. I, I feel the the same way as, as Tommy and Craig here, that maybe some ground we're going to go over that wasn't the best for us this season, but of course, that's what we're here to do. So yeah, looking forward to it. Right, so we've got four people in agreement here. Right, Thanks very much for joining. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for tuning in. That's us. Out the door. Easy peasy. That's it. I know, well, there's plenty to discuss. We'll get into it. We're planning on giving you an in-depth review of the, the season, some of the highs, some of the lows. Um, and, and we'll get into it straight into it in the 2022-23 campaign. Um, we'll begin our way back on the 2nd of August, where Rangers began their Champions League qualification in the third round, and you can pick me up on my pronunciation here, Ross, as I know it's a speciality of yours. We played Union San Gioa. Um, the opening game was a bit of a disaster. Rangers were defeated 2-0 away. If I remember correctly, there was a very contentious um, penalty awarded against, against Conor Goldson in that game. Then... In the return leg, Rangers won by 3-0, a Tav penalty, of course, a Cholak goal, and Malik Tillman was doing his best impression of, of Cristiano Ronaldo in that game. Um, then Rangers faced uh, PS Weinhoven at home, um, resulting in a 2-2 draw, Cholak goal, and a 30-yard... I was going to say screamer, but it wasn't really a screamer. It was a bit of a sclaff from the... A goalkeeping howler. Yeah, that, that's the best way to that's describe it. that one. Um, and uh, I seem to remember Singari having a pretty good game in that uh, for PSV as well. Um, then in the away leg, Rangers scored with Antonio Cholak going through on goal with a Malik Tillman pass to get us through to the Champions League proper. Um, I'll come to you first, Ross, on this. How important was it for Rangers that they, they made the Champions League group stages this year? Yeah, I think it was really important, Kyle. I actually remember after the final whistle in Eindhoven being quite emotional that night for Rangers. I felt it was a big moment for us. It'd been a long time, 12 years, I think, since we'd been in the Champions League. And I felt it was really important we got there. Of course, we're going to go into how that Champions League campaign went. But at the time, it felt really, really big for the club to be there. And look, we were up again. There was some tough ties in there. It was a 
very good pronunciation from yourself there, yeah, Union St. Gilois and uh, PSV Eindhoven. I remember that night they were, PSV were very good at Ibrox and probably Rangers were maybe a wee bit fortunate to get a draw that night. That was a tough game. And over there, I think it was very much uh, backs against the wall for the first half. And we've managed to to grab the game with uh, a, a mistake, you've got to say, from the, the PSV centre-back. So, look, I think after that game, I felt it was a really big moment for us. I think we, we could really kick on. Uh, I felt there was going to be a lot of investment coming that summer after it because mm. of the, the guaranteed Champions League money that supposedly you get. Of course, we've found out over the last year that it's maybe not as much as you would expect. But yeah, at the time, Kyle felt a really, really big moment for the club and it was a really emotional night, actually, thinking back about it. Yeah, I, th I think emotional is a, a good way to describe it. It was a lot of people, it was, it signified that, that we're back getting into the Champions League proper. Um, Craig, I'll, I'll come on to you next. What what did that moment mean for the support? What did it signify to the support that we were back in the Champions League? I think it was more money related than anything <laughs> else, if we are brutally honest about it. I... I think the first game um, that we like in Belgium was the typical what you expect from a first competitive game for Rangers. We've seen it so many times over the years. You go, you go into these Champions League qualifiers, you've played three or four games as friendlies building up to it. You think you're in okay form. You go into the competitive game and you're just hit by a sucker punch. <laughs> from a team that we had, being honest, before we played them, we had not heard of them before. We had no... Um, we had no scope as to how good or how bad that they were. Now, we've seen them get to the quarterfinals of the Europa League this year, and we know how, how difficult that can be. So <laughs> they're, 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 they're by no means mugs. But at that point, we'd never heard of them before. Where we've got them stand between us and a playoff round to get into the Champions League proper for the first time in ages. And you're thinking, right, win the first leg, easy street second leg, and off you go. And then all of a sudden, you're 2-0 down heading back to Ibrox and you're you're thinking not this again we got through and we that night at Ibrox was I remember it being absolutely roasting I remember um, the app, there was almost a bit still a bit of expectation it kind of brought over that um, that feeling from last year's Europa League run in terms of mm. we turned up at Ibrox and everyone just knew we were going to win it, yeah. just, it was that it was that, it's hard to describe what it is until you're at Ibrox and you feel it but everyone just felt like we've got a really good chance of doing this and I I think that just carried over into into the players and the way both teams played was just completely different and uh, to what it was in the first leg we dominated and USG looked um, they looked scared on that stage and we yeah. took we took full advantage of it so that was really positive PSV was a completely different kettle of fish um, they still had Cody Gakpo at that point and he oh, yeah. he was he was particularly well and I think it was a week or two after that, that tie that he moved to he moved to Liverpool and. Yeah. He was. He we thought he would be their main threat. It turned out that Sangari in midfield was the most yeah. impressive player um, that none of us had ever heard of. I don't no, think no. by that stage, but he was our most impressive player. And James Tavenier did actually quite a good job on Gakpo um, over the sort of two legs. But we 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 got through, and they thought we thought right now's the time to kick on. I'm not sure how happy I was with the squad at that point. I wasn't. Yeah. We were all kind of as Ross suggested. We were all kind of waiting on. Okay, we've got this guaranteed forty million pounds or whatever it was that's quoted. Right, let's go, let's go buy a proper striker that that's going to see us through. That see us through, and I think the striker was really the only the only position at that stage. We were like, right, we probably need someone that's that's a level up. Alfredo Morelos hadn't really come back from his injury. We that's where we try and invest in the squad, and yeah. it didn't really it didn't really happen. And I think that was 
a major signifier that we didn't really realise at the time, but it was a major signifier of, I guess, what was to come as the, the weeks and months rolled on. That's it. And and Tommy, lastly, I'll, I'll, I'll let you have a say in this, how significant it was Rangers getting to the Champions League proper, seeing as it is probably one of the few positive points of, of the season. Yeah, yeah, well, listen, I don't think I'm going to... I'm going to say anything different from the from the rest of the guys here. It's from a corporate rebuild, club rebuild perspective. It's a milestone moment getting back at the top club competition in Europe. And so, you know, from a balance sheet perspective, incredible impact. That's where Rangers always need to, to be. They need to be in and around European competition and the UCL is the place to be. If you want to fund your squad, fund your infrastructure, you know, move the club forward. From a emotional perspective, uh, Ross, to your point, yeah, I mean, it means a lot mm. to hear the, the Champions League music. I'm sure somewhere, you know, Charles Green was getting up out of his hospital <laughs> bed there. But um, this was probably also maybe the, the one point that's not been touched on, a bit of a bit of an endorsement for the people who had come in and changed the club, who had wrestled it away from your likes of Charles Greens, etc., who had rescued the club and then rebuilt from inside. And we haven't always agreed as a fan base every single decision that's been made and there's been you know some tough moments but that's felt like a bit of a watershed the club had been rebuilt they had won the title they had got back into the champions league and then it's a case of right are we slipping back are we going forward but those are slightly different conversations you know not enhancing after 55 is not the same conversation as we haven't won yeah. the title and that's the bit that sometimes gets missed by people and that's just a you could be trite and say that Champions League music was just the ending yeah. chapter as you move into the next part of what the club's history looks like. Yeah, I think that was I think that's that's a really good point about the validation that it probably gave to to the likes of Douglas Park, to the likes of Stuart Robertson, yeah. to the likes of Ross Wilson, who had all come under criticism at various different stages heading into this season. But they effectively we went from winning fifty five to what was generally a poor season, but we won the Scottish Cup and we reached a Europa League yep, final. Yep. We then went into a summer, we were unsure about the, the state of the squad and what needed to happen with it, but we did straight off the back qualify for the Champions League. And yeah. if you look at that in a, in a running order, they've, they've got validation point after validation point mm -hmm. and they can turn around to support and say, we've been doing well, we are doing, we, we are doing our job. It's up to the players on the pitch to do their mm -hmm. job. Um, turns out that what the fans felt, and it's interesting the way of what the fans felt and what the fans thought was very different to what yeah. the facts or the stats were shown. Um, but, yeah. but I guess what the fans felt and what the fans understood comes from many, many years and some and some people's um, and some people's opinion or opinions or experience like 60, 70 years of watching Rangers. They they can feel that something's not quite right or we're not quite at the level we need to be to challenge. And yeah. I think it was that it's that underlying feeling that then. One over in the end. Sorry to, to interrupt, but that, that's because unlike any other business, we, you know, we tritely say this all the time and everybody says it, football's a different type of business. <laughs> yeah. right? One of the key things that's a different type of business is generally if you're looking at a balance sheet or you're looking at a performance in any sort of organisation, that's what you're looking at. When at football, there's just a whole host of emotions that you need to get through. The, the figures could be telling you, right, you're in a really good place with your balance sheet. You've won something you've rebuilt the infrastructure, whatever it looks like, but still not playing the brand of football on the pitch that people like, and so therefore everything's bad. I'm not saying that you know, we're like that, or Rangers support on mass are like that, but when it comes to chatting about football and chatting about milestones and winning things, you're absolutely right. The, the emotional crust 
they are. Yeah. It's something that just doesn't matter what's in front of people's eyes. They get a feeling. And yeah. sometimes it's hard to get by that. That's it. And uh, everybody who's playing uh, football cliche bingo along at home, you can scratch off. Uh, football's a different business on that card. Did I, did I say football's a different business? <clears throat> What's those effect? Yeah, uh, okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> just, yeah. on a, just on a slightly different note before you move on, I just wanted to, to say this while we're here. See this uh, UEFA playing the Champions League tune and the, and the qualifiers in the playoff. That needs to be dropped. Because I don't know how everyone uh, felt that I'm night against PSV at home, but it... It weird, didn't it? Yeah. it, it it took the, the kind of special atmosphere away, in a uh, sense, because there was a lot of people on the ground that were feeling that it just wasn't the time uh, for it. The champions, once you qualify. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, yeah I, I you could that. feel the, the the sense in the crowd that it just wasn't right. That That's not what we should be hearing at that point. So, yeah, just a note to UEFA. Let's let's drop that. Let's just play that once you're in the group stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, point. managed to miss both of those. I think I arrived in my seat about a second before the game kicked off in that one, so... That's, that's the way to do it from now on. Um, look, it's, I was going to say now on to some of the doom and gloom stuff, but it's a bit, it's a bit gloomy from, from here on in. Um, it's a nice way to build up the rest of the podcast. <laughs> I was going to say, do, do keep listening, okay, please. 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 Yeah, the listeners will be absolutely raving to go for this. I know. Well, we've got to talk about it. It's an end of season review, so, so we have to talk about it. Um, so Rangers ended up, as we've just discussed, getting into the Champions League proper. It was a great achievement, but despite our European uh, success last year um, with reaching the final of the Europa League there's just no other way to put it it was a bit of an abject failure uh, the the um, Champions League campaign um, began with a 4-0 away defeat to Ajax and it was all a bit downhill from there there was a comment though after that game Ross from Giovanni Van Bronckhorst uh, you all know exactly what I'm going to say um, he came out and he said if you look at the squads as we are facing now Ajax and Liverpool for us to compete with them it's too much to ask we knew it was going to be tough that um, and that showed today the pressure we got thinking on the ball, ball control and speed of passing is all from a really, really high level. We can't compete at that level. I remember when GVB came out and said that and I was quite, quite annoyed as were a lot of Rangers supporters. I just want to gauge how you were feeling around this stage, what what your thoughts on him, him saying that that was. I don't remember being too annoyed about it at the time, to be honest with you. Mm. I, I was... I was very much in the the camp for the the Champions League group stages that I felt it was going to be very very tough for Rangers to get through, and I, I actually remember speaking to to a few people from my work and things, and they were feeling that we had a great chance because uh, Napoli and Ajax had been drawn in the group, and I just remember thinking that we maybe don't understand the the difference in level between the Europa League and the Champions League. We maybe don't understand that that there's such a big gap between them both so like when when Van Bronckers came out and said that I wasn't too bothered by it I could understand where he was coming from so I understand a lot of the debate around the time but for me it's very very difficult for Rangers to compete at that level that doesn't mean that we we have to surrender you know and we, and we go into these games and just accept defeat but I could understand where he was coming from and I think at that time there was a lot of frustration from Van, Bron Van Bronckhorst he didn't feel that he'd really been backed going into this Champions League campaign so mm -hmm. I think that's what was coming out from his press conferences it was just feeling that okay we're here now and we haven't really done enough you know to to make an impact at this level I can see both sides of that. Kyle just touching on that Ajax game and obviously that was the comment that that came after that one I think the first 15, 20 minutes of that Ajax game, I was like, oh no. Yeah. I was just, it was the, that, yeah. that surprise. I did not 
did not engage in my brain that the step up from yeah. where we were in the Europa League last year and the teams we played yeah. in the Europa League last year into that Champions League group stage into a game away to a, a, a team against like Ajax yeah. it just did not transition well yeah. we as a team as a as a way that we set up as a as in terms of the players performance the pace of the game we did just not that did not translate well into that first game and the first we were 3-0 down very quickly yeah. in that game and it was like oh no it was, yeah. and it, 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 in some games we did better than others but that first game was a real eye opener for me, and I'd probably at that stage I was I hoped it was an eye opener for for the board and an eye opener for the team. I'm not quite sure the penny dropped as quickly for them as it did for fans. Yeah, I, I think that's a very very fair point. Again, I'll refer, and I know I don't like going on about it too much about the success we had in Europe the, the previous season, beating teams like Dortmund, Belgrade away, stuff like that. That was the kind of opposition I felt that we were maybe playing at that level, and it, as you said, it just completely caught us off off guard there um i don't want to touch on too many of the results tommy and that obviously um there was a couple of, of heavy defeats in there um one which was maybe um what's the word i'm looking for here was a picture was made available to the support via the via the rangers website which i don't think went down too well but at this point in, in time i think there was a real change in, in mood against the the team especially and and the manager what was your? Did you think that was justified? The, the, the sort of negativity that sort of encompassed the team at this point in the season. That's a very fair question, and uh, again, expectations are it's a pretty fickle beast most of the time. So, coming off the back of winning the title, you then go right. We've qualified for the Champions League as well. That's fantastic, right? And wrote lots of positivity um, round about the round about the club. I think the manner of the defeats and maybe the level of expectation in terms of. What could be achieved with that squad? Mm. Came home to roost, and I remember you know seeing people saying Napoli are probably going to be also runs in that group, and you think, well, hold on, hold on a minute, that's that's definitely not going to be the case. Although I think you know by and large we performed all right against them at Ibrox, mm. um, one of the better performances certainly until certainly. James Sands got involved. I was going to say yeah, <laughs> aye, but, but that's you can't do it about that to, to a certain extent. GVB's comment that you mentioned there as well has got a. It's a gravestone feel about it. Yeah. It's one of those ones that follow you around about, right? It's fine if you actually then overperform, right, by getting results and qualifying or finishing third or whatever. If you don't, then it's okay. Are you having a shot at the board? Why didn't there wasn't a more investment or whatever? You get slightly different narratives that GVB didn't um, feel he was being backed, but then he actually felt that he was confident he could get some different tunes out of that particular, yeah. you know, some of those squads players as well. It didn't work. Again, it's sometimes easy, and I'm, I'm not giving the board a pass here, but it's sometimes easy to say, oh, they need to be back more. Okay, well, you need to identify the right players. You need to get those agreements. Players need to come. Everything needs to happen, right? Um, to keep playing, to keep playing cliche bingo, it's an ecosystem to get transfers in and out. Right? That's a phrase that will come back to haunt me, right? Because it's <laughs> not one you should really use. But, I mean, all of that comes in. What it did, though, is it stripped away the gloss of the, the good feeling of the club. Because yeah. all you're looking is getting pretty turned over right um and then there was no didn't seem like there was any visceral reaction either from the management from the squad from the club and like i said there's a whole host of reasons why that may or may not be the case but all you're seeing from the stands all you're seeing as a support is right we're getting a bit of a shoe in here in europe <laughs> right and that's me being polite and then we're not seeing anything really happening 
So I think though, at, at that stage that? we were doing okay in the league. We were we weren't setting the header alight, but we were doing okay in terms of we were doing the bare minimum in terms of winning, winning, winning. And then the first old firm game arrived and we got a bit of a shoe in there as well, if we are honest, at Celtic Park. And I think that combined with the Champions League results just set everything yeah. gone the downhill in terms of the way that that fans thought of the team, the way that fans thought of certain players, the way that um, the way that fans viewed how the board had approached that summer. Ah, but that's and how momentum works. Yeah, that's, uh, you got to remember at that point as well, though. There wasn't a lot of confidence in the team because performances were pretty poor. You know, yeah. results were still coming. We had that a lot under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst in the first season when he arrived. If you remember, his record was great when he first came in, but the the performances were pretty poor. And I just don't think we gave him, gave ourselves enough momentum going into those group stage games. And then as soon as you're, you know, you are beat by fours and threes, there's just no way for the team to recover. Of course, we're going to go on to eventually as well. The injury, the injuries come into it, mm. right? When it comes to the Champions League, there were Leon King played <laughs> a remarkable yep. amount of minutes for an 18-year-old, really, that's hardly kicked the ball for Rangers. So it just shows that the the kind of how big the task was for this Rangers side, but there just wasn't a lot to hold on to at that point and the Champions League really, that campaign just felt at the, the wrong time for the squad eventually. That was really the way you looked at it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think I think you used a, a good phrase there, Tommy, when you said it, it stripped the gloss off of everything because it, it really did. I think it caught a lot of us off guard, the, the manner of those defeats and the, the lack of action from, as you said, off-field and, and on-field. But... The European campaign came to a pretty abrupt end. Um, it was a, a, another defeat for Rangers at home, three-one to Ajax, and then we've got this this infamous run-up to the to, until the World Cup break. And there's three significant results here, Ross, that I'd, I'd quite like to touch upon. We've got the um, we played St Johnston away. We were defeated two-one there. Then we had uh, the game at home to Hearts, where Malik Tillman scored the winner. Um, I remember you and I being at that game, and it was a terrible performance yeah, I yeah. was stunned that we came away with that from that game with that with a 1-0 win and then there was the the St Mirren game where it was 1-1 um, again away from home um, that St Mirren game was on the 12th of November and on the 21st nine days later Rangers released a statement saying um, Rangers Football Club confirms today it has parted company with manager Giovanni Van Bronckhorst the board would like to put on record um, his sincere thanks to Gio for all his efforts and his appointment since his appointment of manager, sorry. Unfortunately, recent results have not met neither ours nor Giro's expectations and we have taken this difficult decision today. Everyone at Rangers wishes Gio every success in the future. What was your initial response to that news? I know you and I did the, did the podcast. I did it live from, from my work that day because it was I, I was gutted that they had to go, but how did you feel about it? Oh, it was the right decision. Yeah, uh, It was a long time coming. I think a lot of Rangers fans felt of that. I think you've actually let him off there. I think there was an hour result in there. I think was they Livingston? Drew, was it Livingston yeah. at home? Yeah. Drew yeah. with Livingston at home, if you remember. John Lundstrom <laughs> scored in the last five minutes and it was very. It was the same feel as that Hearts game where there was nothing, you know. And and this was a phrase I used quite often with Van Bronckhorst when it came to, to how the team were performing. There was nothing to buy into. Yeah, there, there was no patterns of play. There was no intensity about the team. You could clearly see that a lot of these players were very, very low in confidence and it, it it was over a, a one or two month period that you just knew, you, we all understand football now, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually it gets to a point where you just know it's not going to recover. And I think that's where we'd got to. Uh, Rangers fans went back and forth on this. Yeah. I think that result uh, in Perth that day against St. Johnson was, was the day you should have went yeah. because uh, I, I can't actually remember the, the St. Johnson fullback's name, but he scores a, you know, a 25, 30 yarder from the edge of the box. And 
St. Johnson had offered nothing that day. <laughs> and I remember the response from the Rangers team that day was so poor. Yeah. Um, if you remember that famous cut from John Lundstrom, he goes to drive out with the ball to the right-hand side. I think he thinks Sakal is going to come short. He ends up playing the pass and and instead of responding to losing the ball, he just throws his arms in the air. And you could see at that point the players were not playing for the manager. Yeah. That's not that's not a team there that are trying to do everything they can to, to get a result. And I think that was the day that he should have been let go. I did understand the club trying to get to the World Cup break, trying to keep the points cap as it was. I believe the points cap at the time was around four points. And we all felt as Rangers fans very much, let's just get the points in the bag. Let's get to the World Cup break. Let's hopefully bring players back next season, revitalise the squad and go again. And it's not a very nice thing to say, but I think the players maybe knew themselves that performances weren't maybe going to continue into the next part of next season. Yeah. If you potentially don't perform now, you know, will the manager move on and you get someone fresh in? We all know modern day football, that's how it works. You know, players have a lot of power. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it came too late, but ultimately, okay, it was the right decision. You know, yeah. Van Bronckhorst had to be moved on. I think we all have a lot of affection for Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. Yep. That that run to Seville will live with us forever. Yeah. Um, you know, we all of us in this room were there. We were all in that, that stadium that night. It hurts. It still hurts to this day, but that he is the manager that took us there. So there, there, there will always be a lot of affection for him, but it was too far gone. And especially when you're at that point where you think, just keep the gap to what it is, and it, and it goes to nine. We all knew at that point it was going to be very, very difficult for Rangers to turn this league title around, so a change had to be made. Uh, the, the the point that you make there, though, is, is the really... I'm not saying the points aren't important, but it's the manner of the performances. They were never yeah. they were never domestically, to your point as well. They were never actually the type of performances that give you a lot of confidence. Because sometimes you can drop points and you go, ah, but we're, we're absolutely smashing teams and it will yeah. come good. And managers, players get a bit of leeway with that. It was all about one-dimensional and it always felt like it's only a matter of time before we actually end up getting caught out here and then you know, we'd been through some pretty pretty poor results and then you get things like that and you think if we're seeing that from the stands just in it together that point the players are feeling it and then you get that do I really want to go that extra yard am I really willing to run through the brick wall I think that's another cliche there I'm determined <laughs> to determined <laughs> to take them all off here by the way it's going to be amazing right um, and we'll just do a clip show of all my cliches <laughs> at the end right but it does, it, it generates, it, it washes back and forward for the stands to the pitch. And people go, nah, it's not happening. Yeah. And then as soon as I think, particularly with Rangers, a club the size of Rangers, once you've, once there's blood in the water, and people think, oh, he's not quite got it, it's yeah. hard to turn it around. Oddly enough, don't want to go too far back. Gerard after a Hearts game at Tynecastle, where it looked like he'd given up, yeah. and then he turned it around. Yeah. It's one of the very few times I can remember a manager being able to do that. Gio didn't seem to have that um, personality. Yeah. And I don't think the team was Just looking at that period from, and I'll take it back to the Livingston game at Ibrooks that John Lundstrom scored in the 91st minute mm. or whatever, and then we were still pushing for the winner. From that point of the Livingston game through to, I would say, yeah, to the, to the World Cup break and that St Mirren, a full time loss for that St Mirren game, that is where the league was lost this year. That is that, yeah. that four yeah, or five sure. week period is where the league was lost. And that is where a lot of the animosity towards the board comes from. Yep. Because I think actually, if I remember correctly, after that Livingston game, like Tommy said, there's fans smelt blood in the water, and fa fans were already saying, "Right, it's time for a change now," because 
it's that again it's down to that sixth sense that some fans have and the emotional involvement yeah. and it's the they sense it's yeah. going a certain way and if 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 we act quickly then maybe we can avoid it going that way and one thing the board did not do was act quickly yeah and it, as, as ross said as well if they if they sack him after the st johnston game you maybe get that new manager bounce or the, the interim manager bounce for for a game against st Mirren. you get the three points you go in you go into the world cup break and a wee bit of a right things are going up we've got a bit of time to to sort of sort ourselves out get a new yeah. manager in place and off we go again but they delayed it that bit further just to get to the world cup break and that's absolutely criminal to be yeah. honest and that's where the um that's the border entirely culpable at that point for for his um falling so far behind and really to a to a point where it was irretrievable i think his fans even throughout that world cup break we knew it was irretrievable but it's a decision had to be made probably sacking him after the livingston game is harsh yeah. But after the St Johnston game is where you, the board needed to go, right, enough's yeah. enough. And what I couldn't believe actually was that after the St Mirren game, it took them nine days. Yeah. It took them nine days after that St Mirren game to go, actually, Gio, sorry, um, thanks very much, but see you later. Yeah, but nine days could be legal wrangling, yeah, contracts, but... agents, people yeah. not being in the loop and stuff like that. I mean, I get your point, but... I think it's got, is... got to be action though, and I don't. I think ah, I had enough time you, about building. Yeah, but if I see you, you're, you're getting sacked. No, but I, I don't disagree with your point. What I'm saying though yeah. is, you know, referencing the nine days, it's probably not the right metric there because that could be right. I need to contact the club lawyers. They need to contact Geo's lawyers. That has to be thrashed out. There might be a compensation package, whatever that looks like, before you then announce. You can't just. And remember, football's not separate from um, employment legislation yeah. in the UK. You know what I mean? You can't just arbitrarily turn around and go, by the way, that was a shocker. <laughs> yeah. And we've just posted a press release saying you're not going on the team bus. Right. Um, and the same the club should have all that working in the background in the build-up to the St Mirren game. Do you, do you think well, the St Mirren game was the, the be-all and end-all? If Gio wins that St Mirren game, he stays and he's he's there heading into the Hibs game after the World Cup break? I don't think... I think it's a possibility, though. Yeah. I do. I, I do yeah, as well, yeah, I, I think yeah, they wanted, 100%. Because of that Imagine. Europa League run, they wanted to yeah. give him as much time as possible. Yeah. And after that St Mirren result, they, I think the board realised that it was going to be very, very difficult to turn things yeah. around. And I think... There was a, you, you have to remember as well with Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, a lot of fans changed their perception of him after that defeat to Celtic mm -hmm. earlier on the season because that was twice we had went to Parkhead and the team did not perform to an acceptable level at all. I mean, they were turned over completely twice and a lot of fans did fail at that point. And I, I actually have to say my, myself, I something turned for me with Van Bronckhorst that day. I, I wasn't convinced that he should be sacked, but I did feel it was going to be very, very difficult for him to turn it around. And I think the board maybe tried to play on as much as possible that, you know, we still have most fans that buy into this manager and they wanted to give him as much time as possible. And I really do think when it got to that St. Brown result, they've just felt we don't have another choice now. We we have to let the manager go. I think there's two two quick points to that, and I know you're keen to move us on, Kyle. I can see you staring, <laughs> at, staring at your agenda there, to be honest with you, right? But just two quick things. I think... To some extent, it was the manner of the de defeat in Celtic, whereby Celtic are good side, well old machine, all that type of stuff, but they didn't do anything surprising. People knew what the yeah. tactics were going to be. Yeah. It didn't look like Gio had done anything to counter that. And then the board will also be sitting there to some extent going, right, how long do we keep him on? Do we give him a chance? Let's say he doesn't get the bullet, right? 
and then he manages to turn that around, Gerard esque. Yeah. Then everybody's in the in the support going, it's great to have a board that aren't reactionary or trigger happy, and they've stuck by their man. Yeah. You know, so it's sometimes hard. I'm I'm not overly backing the board there. They've made lots of mistakes, and I think they did wait slightly too long. But at the same time, they're weighing up all those consequences as well. How do you actually make the right decision in the right time period? Taking into account the same things that we're seeing. He's got injury issues. He's trying to get a tune out of some players that we know we need to move on. How much of it is the manager versus some of these players who've hidden in a jersey sometimes? Yep. Under Gerard and under Gio yeah. and are still at the club and now being moved on. So, I mean, I just, you know, don't want to get it all again, but sometimes when you scope back, placing it all on one person's shoulders or on a board's shoulders, it's not always right. I always feel that the players get a pass with this stuff and it doesn't always feel right to me. I think you look at what you can change though and to me it's incomprehensible that Giovanni Van Bronckhorst could have won that, snuck a 2-1 win away to St Mirren and been walking out that tunnel for that game against Hibs, first game after the, the World Cup break. To me that is, I, I, I can't see how a situation where that would where that would happen. The, the St Johnston result was the final, final, yeah. final straw 100%, for yeah. me. Oh. It wasn't just a, oh, uh, that's it's probably reached the end now. That was a, it should have been sacked like three weeks ago. Yeah. point for me and so for the idea that he could have snuck a result in Paisley and then stayed in stayed in charge of us is completely incomprehensible and it's bad enough that the board waited so long to sack him that they did if they had waited even longer then I'd, I'd dread to think what the, the the feeling amongst the support would have been I fear for yeah. your direct reports and your normal job to be honest with you <laughs> there we go yeah well I think we can all agree that it was it was the correct decision to let Van Bronckhorst yeah. yeah. go yeah. and that the board took too long to to make that decision I think I think that's fair comment but he did go I think before we move on to to the next talking point in terms of Michael Beale coming in it would be completely remiss of me not to mention the the injuries that we've we've had this season I think sorry actually don't I throw you off that right but I, I don't want to walk past the fact as well as much as I really like Michael Beale him turning up at Ibrox when Giovanni yeah. Van Bronckhorst was on his deathbed so to yep. speak was wasn't a great wasn't a great look in all honesty totally um, and you know people might take me to task on that but I think Michael Beale knew what he was doing with that. 100%. I totally agree with you there on that one, Tommy. Um, but look, listen, and I just want to touch on some of the players that, that Van Bronckhorst, um, well, all the players that he brought in in the summer, basically there. Ben Davies, Rid Van Yelmaz, Rabi Matondo, Antonio Cholak, Tom Lawrence and John Souter. Hopefully I said I pronounced all them correct for you there, Ross. Yeah, um, but I just wanted to say that at some point, all of those players this season have had significant injuries or been out for seriously uh, lengthy periods of time. And that's not forgetting Morelos, Kamar Roof, who's got a loyalty card for the for the Rangers treatment room at the moment. Um, Connor Golton, who, apart from his heart scare, I don't think has ever had a as lengthy uh, an injury layoff as this. Um, Stephen Davis as well, who, let's not forget, and then there was a few wee niggles with, with Arfield, Barisic, Kent. I'm sure I'm missing out players. I can, Ryan, I can, Ryan Jack. Ryan Jack, that's the big one, yeah. I, I was going to say, I can feel you all going, I, I you've think, not mentioned a player. I, I think every single member of that squad this season's had injury problems. Yeah. Even James Tavernier at times, <laughs> if you remember, was, there was a lot of fans claiming that yeah. he must have been playing with an injury because he wasn't shown yeah. his, his, his actual, you know, True talent, really, that we've seen. Yeah, yeah. Did Hadji make it onto your list? Oh, I think he didn't make it on my uh, list. Okay. He was I, too. I, he was too long. Term yeah, I know. I, I know there was going to be loads of players that, that I missed out there. But but Ross, I, 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 for what it's worth, I totally agree with you about the James Tavenier point. I think he was playing for large parts this season, carrying an injury. But do you think that this significantly impacted our season, or is it is it just an excuse? Oh, this is a tough one because. 
I'm pretty certain that you can't say that it's not had an impact in the season. I know a lot of people like to say that you know Rangers should have a squad capable of dealing with with injuries, but not to this level. Yeah, and I remember thinking of something earlier when you know we were planning the podcast and things, and I was having that a th- thought back to we've seen in the last couple of years. Liverpool have went on a l- really good runs and they've played lots of fixtures. And the next season they've had you know a lot of injuries, right? And they've had a bit of a dip in form. I think that's what we've had with yep. Rangers. I, I I think that squad had played at such a high level for so long last season. I think it was was it around seventy games that I think the squad had played. Yep. I think Joe Rebo maybe played as many of them as as, as humanly yeah, possible. Yeah, I think. And I think it's just a, a consequence of that. We we've seen this season that it just caught up with them. To be yeah. honest with you, now there, there, of course, there's there's questions over the medical department right now, and I think there has to be, you know, injuries of of this scale. There has to, you have to take a closer look at it, mm-hmm. um, especially when you hear about certain players getting back to, you know, either getting close to full fitness and and, you know, they have a relapse. Let's look at Tom Lawrence for example. <laughs> it was coming out that he was he was close to a return. He's back in the training pitch. You then hear that he's had a wee bit of a setback. It was actually very similar to John Suter. He's always had a wee bit of a setback, and yeah. then he's out for three or four months. You know, of course, there ha- that has to be looked at. The overall point, of course, it has an impact. You know, if if big if big players are being ruled out for you know long periods, it's it's got to it's got to have an impact. Conor Golson was the big one for me. Yep. And uh, I don't know if we all felt the same that night in Ibrox when he went down against Liverpool, but I just remember you know putting my you know my hands to my head. And I felt at that point we were really in trouble. Yeah. You know, this guy is is essentially the captain without the armband, in my opinion. And we had a problem when he went down that night. And I just don't think we... Well, you've seen for the next couple of months, we just did not recover without him. Yeah. So, Indeed. look, I think it's fair to say that Rangers maybe should have still been able to perform at a level to get them closer in terms of domestic. Uh, I think they were completely done by injuries when it came to the Champions League campaign, unfortunately. Yep. But we have to sit back and say, of course it had an impact. Of course it did. You, we, any squad would struggle with our best players out. That is just yeah. football. That That's it. Yeah, I totally agree with you, especially in that Conor Goldson point. I, I remember that night when he went down in Liverpool and I think the two of us were had deep in conversation about it. And yeah, it did. It was not good having a, a largely untested centre-half pairing for for most of that part of the season. Um, Craig, I'll come on to you here for, for, for the next talking point in terms of I was trying to think about how to phrase and, and word this question. I don't like using the word blame, but where do you think this this stems from? Was it is it recruitment? Is it is it the medical team? Is it was it the intensity of the training at the time? Or because I know there was a, a big song and dance made about the I don't know if you remember the the AI technology that Rangers brought in Zone Seven to to track and predict when um, injuries were going to happen. W- where did where did they where does the problem with injury stem from for you? Um, before I come on to where I think the problem stems <laughs> from the the zone seven stuff, I remember I remember reading about that and then seeing the list of clubs that that had zone seven yeah. involved in it. Uh, Liverpool were one of them, and there was, yeah. there was various clubs across Europe, and every single one of them had major injury lists. <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking, oh no, I was like this this explains a lot, but I was like, oh. This, this can't be good for, for us going forward. And you would kind of question why the club has went down that route if looking at the, <laughs> the evidence that, that other clubs have have experienced with injuries, um, especially the ones who've been using that technology, yeah. is have been experiencing quite significant injuries. I think in terms of where the blame lies for our injuries this season, 
a lot of it's bad luck. Stuff happens in games. Connor Golden's one was a pretty innocuous thing. He went over on his ankle, it looked like, um, at the time, and he just he couldn't continue. You, you never know quite how serious these are. Tom Lawrence, for example, 92nd minute against Ross County at the halfway line. He, he just he, he tries to block a pass, and that's him out for the rest of the season. It's I can hear JB every time going to sub him every single time <laughs> Tom Lawrence is mentioned. But I think... On that side of things, some of it is down to bad luck. Some of it, which is only a realisation I've probably come to in the last four or five weeks or so, is down to the point Ross made about the load that some of these players had last season in, in terms of the intensity of the games, the, the level that they had to play at for such an extended and prolonged period of time. Definitely has got to be a factor, especially considering so many of the same players moved into this season. And, and I guess that's where you have to look at the recruitment side of things and that's where you have to look at you mentioned there six or seven players I don't actually know how many players it was you mentioned that we brought in yes um, but n none of them made huge contributions to our squad for the vast majority of this season some of them have came back some of them have had their opportunities more post split um, if you look at particularly guys like John Suter, Red Van Yilmaz, even Ravi Matondo they made zero contribution to two Rangers up to that point. So you're then going back to the well with the guys who have been playing those 68, 70 games, however many it was last season, and you're naturally going to get injuries. We we had a discussion um, not that long ago about should John Suter play all the minutes yeah, poss possible for him to, to the end of the season? And some people were saying, well, Michael Beale's got to manage those minutes so he doesn't, so he doesn't have that a risk injury more. And actually... He's not played that much this season, so he should be able to play these yeah. minutes, and he, should, he needs he needs that game time. And John Suter, I think, has become one of our one of our best defenders. And to me, and we'll come on to it towards the end, but he's he's our starting centre half alongside Connor Goldson now. But mm. the risk of injury and the impact that that has on us is couldn't have been exemplified more than in this season when we didn't strengthen the squad enough at the start. We didn't have good enough backup players to come in the forward line is a completely other discussion that we could could have for about half an hour. But <laughs> the, uh, the it's just we didn't have good enough backups to to fill in that, that spot and that's where one of the major downfalls of this season lay and that the, the first team and their key players did get injured and the players that came in to replace them were just nowhere near good enough. Yeah, so just picking up on that as well, because I think that's the, the key point. So you've got a squad that didn't have the depth to it, right? even though we maybe told ourselves it did. And then you get injuries to some of the new players and some of the key players at the same time as the rest of the key players are going off the boil in terms of form. I mean, really, and we'll come to player of the year and all that type of good stuff, right, at some point, I'm sure. But could you really say that any of the key players within the squad have really performed this season consistently? So if you're saying, right, you take those building blocks out your side where you need a spine of five, four or five players that are always relatively performing and dragging the team forward, you know, those big players in the big moments, and then you say the players we brought in have been injured or not performing as well, alongside those established players not performing, that's a recipe for disaster. I don't care who's in the, the dugout. Uh, all of those things together is what Rangers were facing into. That doesn't excuse any of the players for not performing. I'm just saying it. that thread right through that is, I don't think at any point in time, apart from qualifying for the for the Champions League, did, did Rangers have a reasonably full complement, 
reasonably and people were performing for a game or two. You know, at a decent enough level. You know, you get into the, that Champions League cycle and then all just started to unravel. Yeah. You know, it's not an excuse. You know, some players should definitely have stood up more. But you could pretty much consistently drag that all the way through the season, even post Michael Beale to some extent, although he's been able to get a much better tune with some key additions. Yeah. The last question I'd like to ask you, Tommy, before we move away from, from the injury chat, because I know we've talked about it quite a lot, is recruitment. So I'm looking at some of the players here. Ben Davies that we brought in, he had previous injury problems centre half before before he came to Rangers. John Souter, very well known about his injury problems as well before he moved. Going a couple of transfer windows back, Kamal Roof, Philip Hollander, both known with poor injury records. Is this something that we have to take into consideration, especially this summer, look, maybe looking at players that don't have such awful <laughs> track records and when it comes to their injuries? Yeah, well, I mean, it's a conscious decision. Obviously, you know, any player who's got a significant injury history goes through additional or enhanced medical checks as well. It's not as if we just close our <laughs> eyes and go, right, best of luck. Right. It, it, it feels that way sometimes. I don't disagree with you, right? But it's not as if the club isn't, you know, elite-level medical support and analysis, right? The question you're probably asking there is, are we shopping in the right pool and we're going after these guys? But they're satisfying the medical checks, and because of that history, they come at a discount. So yeah. you're playing both sides of that coin there. I think Michael Beale recently has been talking about, I won't be signing veterans, <laughs> etc. I take that to mean that he's looking at players not just in terms of age, but in terms of physicality, who's been put through the mill. Because yep. sometimes you can have younger players who have played 70 games a season or whatever. If you've done that consistently when you're 23, 24, your body's starting to you know, feel the pace of that. Yeah. And so all of that needs to be played into the recruitment cycle. Will we t still take risks on players who've had serious injuries? Of course we will, right? Because they come good sometimes. You yeah. know, we're all hoping that Yanis Hadji comes back yep. in a really good, you know, uh, vein of form as well. Do we want to be bringing in players who've got, especially recent injuries, big injuries in their history, and put them into key positions immediately with no sort of backup? I don't think you'll find those are the marquee signings. Yeah, there'll just be some players who've got some, and. It, Again, you know, don't want to go down a rabbit hole on it, but when you say injury, you're talking key injuries. Yeah. You know, ACLs, this type of stuff, as opposed to, right, they've got a, a niggling muscle injury they've had a few times. Yeah. So, I, I mean, players are going to have that. I don't think Rangers will be signing too many of that in the recent, or in the future. I think yeah. it's an important balance to strike when you look at a player like Kamar Roof. There's no way a player of his, with his record and his calibre would sign for Rangers had he not had those injury concerns previously. We've paid a significant chunk of money for him and I think that's where the frustration comes yeah. from from fans in terms of he was a big investment. We've seen how good he can be when he is actually on the park. He's just not on the park anywhere near enough or available to be on the park anywhere near enough. But I agree with Tommy, I think that's a gamble the club occasionally has to take. It's maybe taken too many of those gambles in recent seasons, but yeah. occasionally the club has to take those gambles to try and get players that are probably a wee bit above the level that we are naturally going to attract yeah. as a club and hope that actually they've just had bad luck and, and their injuries previously and they come on to a run where they can play two or three seasons pretty much straight. Also in that as well, you look at, so it's not a perfect example, but he's an example nonetheless, right? So he, he comes in and he's got injury problems in his history, mm -hmm. um, gets an injury here as well. It takes a bit of time to come back. Now he's back though, and he's performing at a really high level and he looks like he's going to be a standout for us. So that's just a timing thing as well. It was a different type of injury from the one that's in his history. 
Mm-hmm. But people naturally go, oh, but he had that big injury history. He must just be prone to injuries. Well, they can be different injuries, right? But when he comes back and he starts to add value to the squad and add value on the pitch, you go, well, he's a really good player. So at the same time as criticising the club for going and getting a guy who's got injury history, you then go, but they've signed a, a guy who looks really good in the jersey. Yeah. Okay, so which is it then? You know, the, yeah. The, yeah. You, you, both part of the same conversation. It's just if you stock your team with too many of them and they all get injuries at the same time. I mean, a Hellander, you know, had a pretty ropey um, background, but nobody would disagree that he's a good defender yeah. when he plays. But then it catches up with him. So it's it's balancing act. You can take a couple of risks in the squad. You shouldn't be looking at six, you know, five, six players who've got that type of history in your squad as well. Yeah, totally. Just, just to add to that quickly, I know we've spent a lot of time on this. I'm starting to get an injury just thinking about these two The club will continue to take risks in this market, right? Where yeah. we are in, in terms of the, the transfer market, food chain, the club will have to take risks with certain players if they yeah. have certain injuries. Just a, a quick one before we move on. We have been very unlucky this season with injury. You look at Red Van Yilmaz, he didn't have any record of history. He picks up one of the worst hamstring injuries you can possibly get. Antonio Cholak, I think he was speaking about it in the last game of the season against St Mirren, that that's the longest period he's really been dealing with an injury. Mm-hmm. Ben Davis was kind of thrown into it when he had an injury. He had to play. We didn't have anyone else. So we have really been quite unlucky this season as well. But in terms of the overall point, the club will continue to take risks in that market. We have to because there are players in there that, that can bring the technical you know, floor up of the of the squad and, and that is it. Tell you how bad the season it's been. We just want to spend our time talking about injuries. I know. Yeah. Right, okay, right. I know that's it. But to be fair, the fact we've went through a whole, I don't know, 10 minutes talking about injuries and not mentioned Doc Waller. Well done, everybody, for yeah. that one. <laughs> but I thought we were getting out the other side there before we jumped <laughs> in. So thanks for watching and listening to part one. Remember to like and subscribe and turn on notifications for when part two drops. Podcast Network.